One of the things that we want to do, maybe it's our natural inclination, is so then we try to get the right people around us. And this makes sense for a while, right? I, then if relationships make me happy and relationships make me sad, then I just got to get the right people around me. And this sort of works for a little bit. You work through, you know, now you can go on the internet and you can look for people. Well, that one's too short. This one's got the... And you look and you, you try to find the perfect person. By the way, as an aside, um, it would be really hard. I mean, I know it's romantically, it's nice to believe that there is one somehow. But just, it's kind of hard to think that that's actually how it works. Because what if one person got it wrong? And they got yours. And then she doesn't have something. And then somebody else. The whole, the whole domino thing starts to get jacked up. So I guess it sounds good in movies and all that, but it'd be really tough to do. Instead, maybe what we learn to do is to be grateful for the people that are in our life and to find the best in making that relationship. You think about it. I got to get just the right spouse. I have to get just the right business partner. Then I have to get just the right neighbors. How are you doing? As the list starts, I have to get just the right boss. Is, is this true? Well, I like my husband, but my boss is an idiot, and I got two neighbors that I could do without. In other words, what you start to learn, if you go down this path, what you start to learn is that I'm going to be perpetually frustrated. If this is the way you try to set up your world, I'm going to get all the right people. I remember when I was in college and I, was, uh, I worked at a funeral home, Maybe, many of you know that by now, to get myself through college, and we lived in the funeral home. And we lived upstairs, and I don't know, maybe it's just people, I, I don't know what draws out people that live and work at funeral homes, but it was not my type of person. And there were four of us that lived up there, and I, let's just be nice and say I didn't get along with the others. I had my roommate that I brought up there, and these, two, these other two guys, can I just say it politely, like I'm a pastor and I shouldn't, but these guys were weird. <laughs> Does anybody ever just met people like that? Like, these guys were just weird. And, uh, and, and so I, I had the hardest time, and somebody taught me something, and the funny thing is I never forgot it because of the context of living in that funeral home and living with these guys that I just thought were so weird. Somebody told me, those two guys are going to be at every one of your jobs in the future. They're just going to have different names and what? Different faces. Has anybody learned this lesson yet? I'll just leave them. I'll just get away from them, and I'll never have to deal with them again. And lo and behold, the next job, the next thing, next neighborhood, there they are. Bill and Bob, right there. Just different names and different... Have you found this to be true? And so what we learn is this. If you spend your life trying to make yourself in the perfect right? Scenario where everyone around you is just the way you want them to be. You're going to be living in perpetual either isolation or frustration. That's it. 
isolation and I have to have everyone around me the way that I want them. In other words, what we start to realize as we mature, hopefully we're getting there. Anybody on your way at least? Anybody turning the corner? Anybody thinking about it? I'm just, I'm just loving immaturity and staying there. So as you, you start to realize, I have to accept, I have to accept the imperfect people around me. Now here's the, here's the good news. Do you realize we can endure a lot more than we thought we could endure? Who's learned this to be true in your life? I can endure a lot more. Physically, have you learned this to be true? Like some of us are not in that great a shape. We could do a little bit. Anybody could just, okay. And one of the reasons is like, ah, it'd be so much work to like get down and do a push-up. You know what I mean? Just be like, think about it. You know what I mean? It's a long way down there. You know what I mean? Has anybody got to the age where it's just, it's a long way down there? All right. So all of these things, and we just think it just feels like too much. Now, some situation you get thrown into, maybe it's a backyard football game, you couldn't help yourself, and your adrenaline started going, and the glory days started running through your mind, and all of a sudden you're out there, and not only are you down there, you've been falling down and getting up all afternoon. Now, we're not talking about the next day when you couldn't walk, but we're just talking about that afternoon. You can do a lot more than you think you can do. Is this true? I mean, kids learn this when they go off into the military, right? Mom gets up, makes their toast for them, cuts the crust off. Moms, just don't do that anymore, please. Just stop doing that, right? They cut the crust off. And now you go and you have a drill sergeant. The drill sergeant doesn't cut the crust off your toast, right? He cuts the nose off your face. He doesn't care anything about And what you realize is, you know, moms are like, oh, I don't know, Johnny, oh. And the drill sergeant's like, oh, Johnny can handle a lot more than crust on his toast, right? Are you with me? And, and all of a sudden, they stretch you, and you realize, wow. Some of you who've worked out seriously at a gym with some other people know this. You push yourself to a certain limit, and you work out with somebody, and then all of a sudden, they can push you, and you go, I can do more than I thought I can do. This is important. It's going somewhere. When it comes to our, we'll call it our self-centered world, you can endure a lot more than you realize. In other words, you can be a lot less self-centered than you thought. Some of you have learned this. Certain things have happened to you in life where life was a lot about you or about what you wanted, and then all of a sudden something happened and you realize, whoa, I'm not going to ever be that or get to do that or not when I want to do that. I get up every Saturday, I go golfing, I do this. Like I saw yesterday, I was carrying Charlie around. Vicky was getting a haircut. It took six hours, and, uh, I, but her hair looks really good. And, uh, and uh, my arm's breaking, and I'm happy. I'm like, this is great, Jesus. I love this. And this is a true story. And a guy pulls up in a Rolls Royce, it's Saturday morning, and he steps out, and he goes to the smoothie bar, and this guy is, and, and if you go to church, you're just, well, just giving the offering, but whatever else you do is fine. But he, this guy pulls up in his Rolls Royce, I mean, steps out, he's all golf, you know, like, attire like Ricky Fowler, kind of, if you're a golf person, you know, looks cool, right? 
goes into the smoothie place, gets out, so his like chiseled body and everything. And I think, yeah, this is this is fair. This is fair. This is. You just start to realize, like, okay, I'm not going to do that on Saturday morning. Is anybody with me? You just start to realize that certain things aren't going to happen. And here's the thing. First, you realize you can endure it. Let me just say it bluntly. I, can't, I can be a lot less self-centered. It's possible. You can endure it. But this is the, this is the winning shot. You can enjoy it. This is the thing that people aren't telling you. Not only can you endure it, can you realize, okay, he's probably just, this guy, I'm telling you, he just came from the country club. There's no question about it in the rolls. And he just wanted to top it off with a uh, raw juice smoothie. And then he probably had other important things to do where the world revolved around his Rolls Royce. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I mean, good, good, good on him. But I realize, okay, that's not me. That's not going to happen. And you've realized this. And you have options. You can stomp your feet. You can kick and scream. Or you can realize, you know what, I can endure. But secondly, I can enjoy. I have some great news for you today. Everybody. Ready? It's not about you. And it's not about me. So that, that's bad news. <laughs> Why? That's not, that's, that's bad news. I, I really, the, the good news would be to say it's all about you. Everything's going to work out. And everything's going to go in your favor. And everything's going to go the way that you want it. And you've even heard this in church a lot. And there's, a, there's like a little grain of truth in it. But it's actually not really true. You see, when we are young, everything is about us. So for Charlie, everything is about her. That's it. I'm hungry. I'm mad. They don't hide anything, right? They don't disguise anything. This is what I want. This is, and so I want this, and I'm going to get this. And it's kind of like we've been talking about orbits in this series. So it's kind of like... You're this, and you get people in your orbit, right? She wakes up and she cries, and mom runs over there, dad runs over there. She's upset, we feed her, she needs a diaper. So everything revolves around. She needs to go to bed. Our night is over. Are these true? This is just true. This is how it revolves. And so as we get older, we try to teach our kids, it doesn't all exactly revolve around you. And this is a slow, is this a slow process? How many got like a 40-year-old you're still trying to explain that to? I mean, it's slow, like it doesn't all revolve around you. Now, do you think, you know, back when we, we used to believe everything revolved around the earth, we thought the sun revolved around the earth, remember? This is, how, this is how everybody thought. And then some guy proposes, like, no, I think, I think that 
we are actually rotating around the sun. And people are like, what? That's insane. I mean, you can see it over here. You can just watch it go like this. From the naked eye, that's insane. Is this true? From the naked eye, it's insane that the world doesn't revolve around me. I have these feelings. I, have these, I think moving to a heliocentric model of the universe, I think there, there was some emotional attachment, not just intellectual, don't you? I mean, there's something where you're giving up. It's like, well, that doesn't make us very important if we're just revolving around this big... The moon revolves around us. We learned that. And now we learn we're revolving around the sun. Of course, now we realize that our sun's part of a much bigger galaxy called the Milky Way. We realize that our Milky Way is not even the whole deal anymore, and our Milky Way is revolving with the Andromeda galaxy, and it's called the local group. And does anybody know it's like you start to feel pretty small pretty quick? It's not all about me. Here's the thing. As soon, as soon as we can accept this idea, as soon as we can accept it, we can begin to enjoy it. But a lot of us don't accept it. We dig in and we think, no. You remember Peter? Remember Jesus telling him? He has the disciples together, Matthew 16. He gets them together and, and he says, so what are people saying about me? And then someone's saying, well, you're, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah. And he, he says, well, what are you saying about me? And Peter says, you're the Christ. And Jesus goes, Peter, spot on. This wasn't revealed to you by men, but by my Father. And then it says, in the next minute, this is why this is so important if you get this story. In the next minute, Jesus, from that point on, explains to them that he's going to die. I'm going to die. And Peter says what? Never. Never, Lord. Why? Think about it. You're the Christ. We, we, we got it. Everything's now going to what? Revolve around us. Everything's now going to revolve around us. I love that. I'm in the inner circle. Dying is not an option. And he says, never. And of course, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I've, I've heard two, two former presidents. I, I bet they probably all feel the same. I've heard two former presidents say this in like post-presidential documentaries or interviews. What do you miss about being president? Ready? The traffic. When I get on the car or Air Force One or whatever it is, there is no traffic. People go ahead of me and they, I, I, I am the orbit. I am orbit. People just start moving out of the way. Roads open, right? There is no, there's nothing in my way. And, and oddly, they got used to that feeling where when I step out somewhere, people just move aside. Well, who wouldn't love that feeling? When I get on an airplane, the skies are clear. It's time for takeoff. When I set my bag down, how many would love that? <laughs> Bloop. <sighs> Instead, it's... Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some other guy over here. And, oh, this, guy, this guy didn't take a bath. 
right? Is, is anybody with me? Like, this is travel for the rest of us. No? They just, uh, let's say, do I want the upstairs bedroom or the downstairs uh, media room? And then, so you get used to, and, and, they, and they joked, uh, two different presidents joked about, <laughs> it was real easy to get used to that. How many could get used to that? And you realize, as soon as that's over, I'm just one in a million on this road. I'm just one in, I'm a part of something much bigger. And I'm going to have to learn, this is so important, to be less self-centered. The problem that we've had, in my humble opinion, with modern-day Christianity is it has been about giving you information, telling you things to believe, rather than encouraging you and teaching you to change. Believe this, believe this, believe this. Some of you grew up saying things that you believe before a service, so they just kept reinforcing. We believe this, we believe this, we believe this, we believe this. Now look, 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 look. You can believe every word and sentence and period and comma in those statements and be the same self-centered idiot on the way out that you were on the way in. None of you. <laughs> it's true. It, it, Christianity became getting people to believe a set of things. When the reality is it was supposed to change the people that we are. That we are supposed to learn that it doesn't revolve around me, that I'm in an orbit as well. I think the only way to accomplish this is to experience something that most of us avoid. And uh, I'll quote somebody else. Great love and great suffering. Great love. Anybody here ever fallen in love? There's a reason we use the word fallen. You do a bunch of stupid things. Anybody here ever spend more money than you really ever would have spent in your life? Stayed up too late, gave up grades, gave up your doctorate degree, whatever it was, it was like, because I have what? Now, when you fall in love, this is so important. You completely, if you've, if you've really done it, you completely expose yourself to somebody. If you expose yourself to somebody, you aren't in control anymore, and it's a scary feeling. I have a side theory. Don't quote me or publish any, you know, anti-me things out there. But I have a side theory about... Some of the younger generation are having trouble getting into relationships because they can just keep looking for the little flaw, the little fault, and, and they, so they don't fully commit. Uh, well, but, but, that's not, but, but that part of them is not right. Anybody ever seen that Seinfeld episode? He's a close talker. She's a low talker. She has man hands. You haven't seen that episode? You must. There's one, there was, you can always find the one thing that's not right about this person. And now, this, so you're not falling in love where you're out of control. 
By the way, this is really important. You controlling and you changing don't happen together. So most people teach you the way you change is you control, <clears throat> you control your way to change. I fix this, I fix this, I fix this. It's not really like that. You're just a broken heap of mess, and you open. When you realize that, you open up your heart. You'll never change without opening up your heart. So with great love, you open up your heart. You, you find yourself falling, and I'm not really in control. You need something that's strong enough to break the ego, self-centered part of you. Because this is important. We actually believe that we're the center for a while. That's how you were born. And it's just a slow process of, uh, it's not just about me. Suffering does the same thing in a different way. It opens you up. That's why you can have people that follow a religion, even a Christian religion or a Christian denomination of any kind, and they can do it because they can mentally assent to the things they're told to believe because it's become about information rather than transformation. And it's when you suffer, listen carefully, when you suffer, when things are happening against your will, it opens you up. It opens you up, and all of a sudden you're there. When you suffer, it can take you to bitterness. This is important. Or I'll use the word betterness. I, I can move. This is wrong, and I'm angry, and I'm going to make somebody pay, and I'm going to pay. Or you let it open you up to change. No one here has had a suffering-free life. The guy from the country club in the Rolls Royce, I'm not dumb enough to believe doesn't have any suffering in his life. It's a part of life. It's a part of life. It's not a penalty for life. It's a part of it. And so as I want to bring this all the way back around to where we started in Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes this, um, do nothing out of selfish ambition, selfish ambition. I want this for myself. We've all done this. We all do this. Um, I think maturing, if I could say it this way, it's kind of like fits and starts. You get a little bit and you go back. Have you found this to be true in your life? Like you don't just take a step and now all of a sudden you're a saint or you're really mature. It's just you do some more selfless things and you go, wow, that was pretty good. No? 
How do you guys do it? I mean, I, I, I go, wow, that was decent. You were decent to your wife. I mean, you, way to go. Now, it's, it's, here's, let me explain it to you. It's like, it's like my golf game. Every once in a while, I hit a good shot. Honestly, I, hit a, I mean, once in a while, I hit a great shot. And I, that's why I say to myself, dang, you're good. <laughs> yeah? It's the rest of those shots. Is anybody with me? If you don't golf, you don't know what I'm talking about. So, but what you learn is like, I can, I can do, you, you say to yourself, I could do more of that. I could do more of that. I could do that again. And you go back to your, you know, whacking the ground and stubbing the ball and all these. But this is important. This is how you grow. You, it's possible to be a more selfless person. And you're just going to go and you're going to experiment a little bit, and then you're going to come back, and then you're going to come up again, and then you're going to come back. That's true. You're going to regress into self-mode, but you climb out, and the Spirit just, like, pulls you out. Paul says, rather, in, in humility, value others. Ready? Not looking to your own interests, but to the what? Interest. So when I wake up, I mean, my first thought is what do I want? What do I want? What do I want the temperature to be? How much money do I want in my wallet? What do I want my schedule to be? What music do I want on? What do I want on the breakfast table? What do I want? Then you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm in an orbit here. There's other human beings. There are other humans. And I have to find my place in the orbit. What are they interested in? What are they concerned about? What are they worried about? Can I tell you something? I think as you mature this way, I don't feel I have. I'll be brutally honest. I don't feel I have. But this is what I do. I read people that I think have. Is that fair enough? I try to look at them. I try to, mo- I try to find people that I think they've sort of moved out of their own orbit. They've moved beyond that. And they genuinely are interested in other people. Like me, I'm a pastor. I have to act like I'm interested in all of you. I mean, it's, it's bad for business. If I don't, it's bad. So I go. I'm kidding, sort of. I mean, I, wow, boy, gee. Are you with me? You, this is what we do. So... As we mature, this is, this is what I'm learning to do. I, I'm trying to find people, and I think there's people. You get there. I do, think it, I do think it takes maturity. I think it takes time. Let me just give you one little side example, because some of you have seen this. A young child who suffers enormously, cancer, um, some debilitating thing. And you notice, you sense in this young child this unbelievable wisdom, this incredible maturity. It's like they have to fast forward to life's not about 
me and what I want and this, and they move quickly through. That tells us something, doesn't it? That great suffering has this possibility. And guess what? You can not only endure, you can and you will enjoy. Because once you stop trying to get everybody in your orbit, it's so exhausting, isn't it exhausting? It's so tiring trying to get everybody to do what I want them to do. No one else has tried this, it's just me. It's exhausting. And to start to realize like, okay, I gotta drift into someone else's orbit a little bit too. And then you realize, I can actually enjoy the ride. You can enjoy it. You will enjoy it. We won't do it today, but follow the rest of Philippians chapter two. It says he emptied himself. Christ, he emptied himself. He became a man, he became a servant, he became humble, he died. He died on a cross, he died a criminal's death, a humiliating death. Oh, I don't have time to talk about how humiliating that whole thing was. See, some of you, you jump right to all the things that you learn in church somewhere, and it's like, well, he knew it, he was fine with it. No, he was humiliated. He was humiliated. Tore his clothes off him, just beat him, spit on him. It said, then God exalted him. Exalt, this is how it always works. At the end of the bottom, you find, you find the beginning of the joy. You just got to go through that. And some of you have to go through some things to find some new things that God has prepared for you.